you just want a little bit more of the Patricks in your life. We understand how it is. Aguiloa try to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Pat's interference. I, I think Alabama makes it to the college football playoff. I've got what I feel could be the number one playmaker in college football. Baker Mayfield. Dude's a stud. I'm 5'7", 130. Do you think I'm big enough to be either David Robinson or Tim Duncan? Get ready. It's going to be a good year. What is good, everybody? Happy New Year. Happy 2019. You're listening to Pat's Interference. It's our fourth year doing this podcast, hashtag senior year. In our fourth straight year doing A, an Alabama National Championship podcast, and B, an Alabama versus Clemson podcast. So we ought to be pretty good at this one by now, but Monday's a big game. We'll be talking about that all in this one. In Birmingham, I'm Patrick Brickman, joined by my beautiful, lovely co-host, Patrick Norwood. Patrick, before we get into the football of this, how uh, were your holidays, buddy? Holidays were great. Uh, yeah, you, you mentioned it though. First time we were doing this Alabama Clemson thing, Hunter Renfro had just hit his senior year. Yeah. I mean, he had just, you know, he was, he was a, he was a bustling 31 year old. Now he's a 35 year old and his, he's a man uh, now and is ob- obviously, uh, you know, a, a ninth year senior. Yeah. Uh, but no, the holidays were good. Holidays were good. Awesome to spend time with the family as always. Um, nice to get back and, uh, watch a lot of college football. Um, had Tyler Cohen, who is friend of the podcast, uh, come back with me for a little bit for in Durham to kind of celebrate the new year, and it was it was good. It was good. How were your holidays? They were uh, they were good. You know, I was um, we did our whole Christmas thing uh, the twenty third with my wife's family because that's just kind of when people were off. Day after Christmas, I went up to Nashville for the Music City Bowl. Um, I watched Auburn curb stomp Purdue in that one. Uh, then I was actually off New Year's, which was kind of nice. Um, uh, did Santa treat you well this year? Santa was good to me, man. Santa, Santa was very good to me. I got, you know, just, uh, just, just good stuff. Shirts, you know, I'm going to look a little bit sharper. Just, just a little bit sharper. Just a little yeah, bit sharper. We were, we were all thinking you could, you could probably use a little, uh, up in your, yeah. um, in, mm-hmm. in your, I got your uh, emails, I know. game. Um, well, cool. Uh, good. So that's, that's all good. I hope, uh, all the listeners had a great holiday but the holidays are gone i mean we're sitting here it's um 12 18 a.m where i'm sitting 1 18 a.m where he's sitting on january 3rd so we're just a couple days out from uh the national championship i think it's prudent uh to before we get into the national championship because this is our first time since about early maybe like december 21st is when we did our last podcast so we got to talk about the playoff games um sure for a minute, it looked like both of them would be duds. Uh, the first one was no ifs, ands, buts about it. It was it was a dud. We'll start with that one. We'll start with a uh, Clemson Notre Dame. That was the first game of the night on January twenty sorry December 29th. Um, uh, Clemson wins that one thirty to three. You got Trevor Lawrence. Nice game for him. Three twenty seven in the air. Three touchdowns. Etienne had over a hundred. He had a touchdown, especially the one that put it away. And then the true freshman Justin Ross. Uh, right from up the road here in, in Birmingham, Central Phoenix City. Don't know how Alabama let him get away, but he had a, a great start to his college football playoff career. Initial thoughts from that game? Uh, yeah, you know, I I thought it started off pretty slow. 
Uh, both teams were kind of miss having some miscues and stuff, but one team snapped out of it in that second quarter. That was Clemson scoring 20 big points um, and, and going up 23-3. to I, I think that Notre Dame walked into that locker room very similar uh, to the 2012 National Championship game against Alabama and just realized there really wasn't much hope left. There, just, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of fight of them in them coming out of the halftime. Uh, Ian Book only... 50% completion, uh, 160 yards for one pick. You know, all this talk about Notre Dame feeling disrespected and, oh, we, sh- we deserve to be here, we deserve to be here. Look, I know Georgia got smacked by Texas, but you can't tell me that Georgia wouldn't have at least put up a little bit better of a fight against Clemson. That's one of those arguments that we'll never actually know the answer to, right? Because they lost that bowl game. Alabama's been there before. Alabama's Oh yeah. They've actually done it twice. They did it in 2009 against Utah. Uh they did it in 2013 but, against yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah, the bowl game was 09. You're right. Yeah. Um so so yeah, I mean or tw- so I guess Oklahoma in that point was 2014. So uh yeah, you know that's a uh, um it's a question we won't be able to answer. We'll talk that Georgia. We'll talk plenty about Georgia Texas uh probably more toward the end of this podcast, but um yeah, no, see, Notre Dame, we, we both have been talking about it most of the year. We both thought that Notre Dame, they weren't it this year. You know, they were playing, just barely getting by teams like, who'd they play? They played Vanderbilt, barely beat Vanderbilt. Ball State um, by eight. Struggled against Pitt, struggled against Northwestern. I mean, their, their marquee mm-hmm. win, their big win was when they crushed Syracuse. Even after that game, even though we were impressed, we weren't really still completely on board. We gave them a little bit more credit than we had been at the time. But yeah, I mean, Clemson came out. They exposed them kind of like they did a couple years ago to Ohio State, that playoff. So, um, and then on the other side, you know, Notre Dame did not play well. But at at the same time, this is a year four of a Clemson team that's been doing this for four straight years now. This is a playoff tested Clemson. This is a team that knows what they're doing when they reach this point of the year. That senior class has now done this four times. They've won, I think, 53 games in their career. Clemson is now in that tier with Alabama that once you get to the postseason, they know what they're doing. Right? right? This is not their first time around the block, and they get into that mode. And that's why we keep seeing this matchup every year. Three out of the last four years, these teams have met in the uh, national championship. So... um. That's initial thoughts. I do want to get more in-depth with these two games than we normally do. So let's talk Trevor Lawrence. Um, You know, last year, one of the themes of the college football playoff was true freshman quarterbacks, especially in the title game, but true freshman quarterbacks. You had Jake Fromm. You had Tua Tungavailoa. Both coming in, both really showing a nation that had only seen a few of their games what they can do. You know how high I am on Trevor Lawrence. I, I said it on last week's podcast. I think he might be my Heisman pick for next year, and I this is only helping that. What did you think when you saw him? Uh, I thought I thought he was impressive. You know, like I said, that both teams started out sloppy. There's no other way to put it. There were a lot of drop passes. There were also a lot of overthrown balls on both sides. Um, you know, I, I think Trevor Lawrence really benefited from some great receiving and some terrible pass defense uh, from Notre Dame. But you can't knock the guy. I mean, he had uh, 327 yards, three touchdowns, uh, came close to throwing a couple picks, but didn't throw a pick, um, you know, for a pretty good uh, QBR. Um, And for a true freshman at that stage, that's very, very impressive. Now, I will say, um, going back through and and watching a 
a little bit more in depth. Um, I think there are still some kinks that Clemson is trying to work out on offense. There were a lot of times uh, where it, it seemed like some guys just didn't really know where the play was going. Um, you know, it, it didn't really matter at some point during the game because yikes, Notre Dame. But, uh, you know, I, I think Trevor Lawrence is a great quarterback. I, I think um, he's definitely something that Clemson has not had since, obviously, Deshaun Watson left. Uh, the question I do want to ask you is I want you to pick one 2015 national championship game, Deshaun Watson, or 2018 uh, national championship game, Trevor Lawrence. I know obviously he hasn't played that game yet, but who would you take out of those two right now? Right now, I mean, it, it would, I mean, obviously in my mind, it would be Deshaun Watson. I don't know if that's much of a debate at this point. Now, Trevor Lawrence can come out and make us forget about him on Monday, but, uh, you know, by, th- by that time in 2015, um, you know, Deshaun Watson had a Heisman-type season. He had really come onto the scene, and, and he, he played he played a specific style of football that I think tailors better for Clemson against a team like Alabama. Um, now, at the same time, I think both are generational talents, and I think by the time Trevor Lawrence leaves Clemson, he might be a little bit better than Deshaun Watson. I know that sounds insane, but... I believe it to be true. Um, I think I understand it. Another thing that worried me watching uh, watching Trevor Lawrence play is he looked very uncomfortable with a lot of uh, sort of stunt action blitzes, a lot of blitzes up the middle. Um, you know, any sort of safety blitz situation. It looked like he tried to a little bit of what Jalen Hurts was doing towards the end of his year last year, where he just looked to get out of the pocket a little bit too quickly. Um, now, granted, he was able to capitalize on a lot of those uh, decisions. Um, and the entire second quarter, uh, there was some stat that was put out on Twitter. I, w- I would love to credit whoever it was, but I've lost it now. Uh, Notre Dame did not blitz. Uh, after the, I think, third drive that Clemson had in the game until right after halftime. Um, you know, and you look at that first quarter, they scored three points. So really, you know, Trevor Lawrence had a great game, but there's still some things, like I said, he's just, he is a true freshman and he doesn't have as many games under his belt uh, as a lot of the other quarterbacks um, who were in this playoff. Well, that's true. And uh, uh, that could be said, I mean, you look at last year, um, in the national title game, you had, you know, Jake Fromm threw the ball off of a, of a defensive tackle's helmet for an interception. Um, and Tua Tonga-Vailoa threw it to literally a player that wasn't looking to catch the pass. So those, those kind of, um, you know, inexperiences can come back to bite you. And it definitely did for Georgia last year and almost did for Alabama. So yeah, I mean, experience has to be a factor there. Uh, you look at, you know, the run game of Clemson. I think you'd agree with me mm. that... Travis Etienne is one of probably the three best running backs, definitely top five in the country. Yeah, uh, you know, I I think that's the huge crux of this Clemson offense right now. Um, Everybody likes to point at Trevor Lawrence. Well, Trevor Lawrence doesn't really get to open up his passing lanes if he doesn't have a guy like Travis Etienne ripping off 7.8 yards per carry uh, and a touchdown in one of those yards. I understand one of those carries was 62 yards, but at the same time, you just don't get that. You, you don't get those open throwing lanes unless you can run the football, and that's something Clemson does very well, has all season long. Travis Etienne is a great player, a great athlete, and I said it uh, before you left to go to New York City for the Heisman, I feel like he got snubbed. I, I don't think he should have won it by any means, but I think he should have at least been invited. That would have been fun to see. Yeah, no, you've got to... 
you've got a strong case there. And then just the receivers. If there's a if there's a group of receivers that can match up with Alabama's, you might throw Oklahoma's into that mix, although Hollywood Brown played a pretty abysmal game against Alabama. He was hurt, I get that, but he dropped two or three passes. But Justin Ross, T. Higgins, I, I let me throw this out there. I love T. Higgins. I think that kid is so, so good. Justin yes. Ross had a hell of a game, too. Um, so, I mean, this is Clemson kind of getting into LeBron NBA Finals form, if you ask me. Alabama does the same thing. Um, they get into that four. They round into a specific type of, you know, they get there. They, they've done this time and time and time again. LeBron's been to eight straight finals. You know what you're getting from LeBron when you get to at least the Eastern Conference finals. Same thing with Alabama. Same thing with Clemson. Um, and I'm, I'm just, you know, it's going to be a very evenly matched game. So that, that was Clemson, Notre Dame uh, in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, the Orange Bowl. Uh, one, one sec, one sec sure. before we move on. If you were Notre Dame, where do you go from here? They're looking, they're looking solid for next year. Um, I don't think. But what is it. what is solid? This is what I mean. I don't mean next year. Let's make this big picture. This is twice now in less than a decade where Notre Dame has been undefeated, marching into what is proclaimed, self-proclaimed as the biggest game they've had since the '80s, and they've completely laid an egg in both games. So how do you convince a fan base of people? How do you convince recruits? How do you convince your AD that Brian Kelly is the guy when he goes into those games and gets absolutely smacked? Your quote-unquote coach of the year scored three points, scored a field goal in the first quarter, and that's it in a playoff game. So where do you go from here? What 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 is up? I will say this. I genuinely do think Notre Dame is a few pieces away. They're not super close. They need probably a whole lot more firepower on offense. They looked pretty slow on offense against Clemson. They need to get a faster offense. Um, but they're, the reason I say they're looking pretty good is because their road there is so much easier than so many other teams. Next year is a little tougher because they're going to play at Georgia which is why I, I, I cancel them out in my mind because um, I think they'll drop another game. I don't think they go undefeated. And then they've got Georgia. So I think they get at least two losses next year. But besides next year, their road there is, I mean, they don't have a conference championship. You look at their schedule, you never know who's going to be the best team on that schedule because they don't play Michigan every year. They played them this year, but they got rid of that series as a yearly series not that long ago. So Stanford... Is their best yearly opponent maybe USC if the whole um, you know maybe. offense comes together? Other than that, you know, it's just a hodgepodge of mediocre teams that they have to play every year because they're Notre Dame and that's their tradition. So you think it's a scheduling issue? No, I don't think they have an issue with their schedule. I'm saying their their schedule sets them up beautifully because no, 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 no. What I'm saying, I, look, I understand to get to the playoff, yes. They have to start winning these games. It just takes one. Now it's going to be, you know, I think they'll it, get... it just takes one, but they're not even, they've shown me in the last two games that they played, they're not even close to getting to that one. No, they're not. I mean, they're nowhere near it. They are maybe the seventh or eighth best team in college football right now. Maybe. Oklahoma hangs 55 on them and wins by 17. I know that's a hot take. Sorry. I, I know I just went in super hard on Notre Dame, but it's just I'm tired of giving them the benefit of the doubt. 
I'm tired all, of college football just saying, oh, well, it's Notre Dame. It's you, Notre Dame. It's Notre Dame. All right, well, what have they showed you? I said, hey, I said it after the uh, conference championships that they should have been playing Clemson in the conference championship. Yes. And then this wouldn't have happened. Notre Dame right. really threw a wrench in this year's playoff. Uh, it, it looks a whole lot different now because Georgia lost. but And, and everything looks a little different now. But um, And I, I'm not sure I would have even really wanted Ohio State in there, which is why I've got, I, I really have my sound off is going to be playoff um, uh, related, just, just in case you're wondering. But um, no, I mean, we may like, I I'm not doom and gloom about Notre Dame's future because again, they're going to keep getting chances to get there because by brand name alone, an undefeated Notre Dame will never not make it in. Whether that's right or wrong, I think it's wrong, but they're never not going to get in. Too much money on the line, too much following, they're a blue blood, it's going to happen. If they go undefeated, they're in. Doesn't matter. Unless there's four other teams that are undefeated from the other four conferences, they're getting in. So, you know, and then it just takes one. Say they play Washington. Say they get in and they play a team like Washington or Michigan State from a few years ago that also doesn't deserve to be in. They won't always Mm. get the Clemson draw, in my mind. Eventually, they'll get the win. And then it'll all look nice because, hey, they at least made it to a title. Notre Dame's not close to winning a national championship. But they can win a semifinal if they get the right matchup. And get a faster offense. Oklahoma, Alabama. Oklahoma, Alabama. Hey. Bama goes up big 21-0 in the first quarter. Uh, I think you and I were obviously um, fairly excited. Um, Optimistic feeling. Um, Bama goes into the locker room 31-10. Then all of a sudden it's 31-21 at the end of the third quarter. Starting to feel a little less optimistic. Everything sort of evens out in the fourth quarter. Bama wins by 11. So, Brick, let me, or excuse me, they went into halftime 11 and they were up, whatever. You understand. I'm bad at math. Yeah. What were your initial takeaways from this game? Um, My initial takeaways were that... uh, in my mind, Alabama, and I think most people would agree, was was the far superior team. Um, Oklahoma was impressive at parts of the game. Uh, they didn't play a full 60. Neither team played a full 60 minutes. Oklahoma played a whole lot less of a 60 minutes. Um, we knew Oklahoma would get theirs on offense. But it, it was a... I've never seen Alabama look so sloppy while still putting up 45 points. And that's a testament to the Oklahoma defense. Cause I, I think... I think that's more of a testament to Alabama's offense more than anything. That too. I mean, it's, it's a combination you, of both. You, one thing that I will say about you in our, in our few conversations, because we have been very busy, you're not giving a ton of credit where it's due to Tua Tungavailoa, who threw three incompletions and four touchdowns. He was magnificent. I don't know that there's more no, that no, can no. be said about him. He was, that is the best playoff performance we will maybe ever see. Period. Yeah. I, through three incompletions. He didn't always make great reads. And one of them was he a was, drop. He, exactly. He wasn't always... And another one was down the sideline, and it technically was a catch. Or te- yeah, technically wasn't was a catch, one. but it was caught, and it was on the sideline, and they had to go to the replay booth. You know, So it's just... To me, that's, that's the big storyline from this playoff so far it's not Clemson beat a team who beat Ball State by eight like they should 
Oklahoma's <laughs> Kyler Murray came out, rushed for 100 yards, threw for a little over 300, but really had most of that on two passes. Not most. A good chunk of it on two passes. Um, and other than a couple plays, really looked out of sorts. I, I mean, really looked out of sorts. Balls being thrown behind his receivers. Balls being thrown too low. It looked like he had not ever played against a legitimate defense, which I know is a lot of everybody, you know, people's critiques. Go watch a Texas-Georgia game and tell me that's not a legitimate defense. I dare you. You can't do it. You can't do it. But Kyler Murray looked lost. And his counterpart, who lost the Heisman, and like I said, should have lost the Heisman, played out of his freaking mind. That is the storyline from this game, from this entire playoff. That, no, oh, that's so a, that's, that, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, Tua looked fantastic. I'm not trying to discredit what he did at all. Um, well, I mean, I said the same thing. I mean, I don't think that I've ever seen. But but the team as a whole kind of got out of their way. I don't think Kyler Murray played terrible. I think he had mistakes. Most quarterbacks have mistakes during the course of a but game. But when you're, when you're the Heisman winner, you can't have those mistakes in your biggest game of the season. No, and they lost because of it. Well, they lost they because of a lot more things. I don't think Kyler Murray's the reason they lost. In fact, Kyler Murray's the reason it got respectable there toward the end. But Yes. I mean, he's had to carry them all year, and he had Hollywood Brown dropping uh, first down passes twice. He, j- he my, dropped that I can two. One of them was thrown behind and high. He's I watched the game today. Got, yeah, I watched the full game today, snap for snap. He's still got to catch those. And the other one, he took his eye off the ball. Um, the other one was bad, but Tua had a drop like that as well. Right. Kyler Murray's the reason they were even in this game to begin with. I mean, his first drive, he got sacked two, three times in a row. He was getting no help for the first part of the game. I don't think the 28 nothing start had anything to do with Kyler Murray either. No, I don't either. I think his line wasn't protecting. I think his receivers weren't catching. I think his running backs weren't breaking Can we talk about how that's the offensive line of the year for a second? They looked... Yeah, I loved how Alabama came out and and, and really crushed their... uh, I forgot the award, what they call the award, but... The Joe Moore Award. The Joe Moore Award. It's just... They were... They could not stop the bleeding. They could not stop the bleeding. If Alabama wanted to get to Kyler Murray take that spy away and get to Kyler Murray, they were getting to Kyler Murray. Now, he had a lot of great plays where he's able to escape the pocket and scramble for six, seven yards. Right. But Alabama's going to take that all day if it means that Quentin Williams gets to sack him really hard once or twice during the game. Well, they'll take it provided they're up 28-0. Now, the 28-0 start was was amazing. Well, what does still need to be talked about is is sort of the dis... I'm not trying to overreact to anything here, but there was there was a level of dysfunction. It wasn't. Um, there were three penalties on one drive, and that's I think overpowering a lot of your thoughts on this. You take away two of those penalties, this was a very impressive, impressive offensive performance. It still is. No, but uh, I th- listen. It's not just the it, hey. It was the defense too, uh, giving up third and fourteens. Giving up a yeah. lot of things that, you know, lots of long third downs, kind of getting into a a lull where that I mean the third quarter wasn't good either. The the bat the three the three uh, penalty drive happened in the second quarter, end of the second quarter before halftime. Alabama didn't score in the third quarter either because they kept shooting themselves in the foot. Um, they had a um they had a hold a big hold on one of their drives. They had a uh, 
They had a play where Josh Jacobs read to his whatever fake um, audible wrong, and he went to the wrong side of the field, and that ruined a drive. It wasn't abysmal. It wasn't the skies falling because they were playing a team like Oklahoma where really at the end of the game, all it took was one more solid drive and the game was over, which is as easy as can be because Oklahoma had the worst passing defense in college football. History ever. Yeah. My God. And then, Hit anyone. Can, can we talk Can we talk about how they were just giving Tua the slant? All Tua had to yes. do was audible to a slant, and then there they were. I mean, it was every time. Oh, break. The last touchdown to Devontae Smith. The very last touchdown to Devontae Smith. Not, I'm not talking about Jerry Judy's touchdown. Tua to Devontae Smith. Ten yards. They had a six-yard cushion on Devontae Smith. Yeah, at the ten-yard line. At the ten-yard line. So, at worst, Tua turns, fires, it's second and goal two? from the four. Yeah. I, I mean, it, you're giving that up. It doesn't make any sense. It's like me backing off Ray Allen in one-on-one behind the arc. Go ahead, I'll let you shoot that. I know they got rid of the defensive coordinator, and I know we're probably getting more into the nuts and bolts of Oklahoma than either of us know about, but, you know, at what point is that the coaching? At what point is that a coach looking and going, oh, why are we doing this? Uh, You know, I I asked myself that constantly when Lane Kiffin was at Alabama. Go back and listen to our podcast episodes. You know, but it's not... if no, you're an we, outsider we have, looking we have, in. We have on tape Nick Saban yelling at, at, at Lane Kiffin saying, run the ball, stop being cute. We know yeah. that he got involved and said, do the thing. And they were, for the most part, doing the thing at the end of the season that we wanted them to do, which is run the ball. And they were doing it with Scarborough. And then Sarkeesian decided he didn't want to run the ball anymore. But um, it was an entire season of what that. Okay, I'm getting a little off topic there. Um my point no, but is, I like where you're going with it because I do feel like a lot of the blame can go on Lincoln Riley for this game. He didn't put the ball on the ground enough. Alabama was playing two deep high safeties for a good chunk of the game. Yeah, I mean, running the ball is hard to put the ball on the ground when part you're of that offense. when you're down 28. It's hard to put the ball on the ground when you're down 28, 16 minutes into the game. That's I understand, a, that's but at some call. point you've got to do something different because what you're doing isn't working. Remember, Oklahoma's touchdown was on a broken play. Their long touchdown, the great pass from Kyler Murray on the run right before the line of scrimmage was on a broken play. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's the best way to put it. That's their best play of the game, and it was not drawn up. A lot of throws were made off the back foot from Kyler Murray, too. It was a just, lot of throws. It, it was a it was a strange kind of game to digest and really make sweeping statements about. I think you and I took two different things away from it. Because going into the playoff, I value your opinion. I love your opinion. I hold it to as gold. You can do no wrong in my eyes, and you know this. So when you tell me something, I take it to heart. You said, and I quote, I'm worried about Alabama because of how they played against Georgia, Auburn, and Georgia Southern. They started slow. Alabama takes off in the first part of this game. The first quarter, all Alabama. The first half of the second quarter, all Alabama. Kind of tailored off towards halftime. And I'm like, all right, we're back. We're good. You know, Alabama is back. And for me, did I get nervous? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Oklahoma pulls within 11, I'm pretty nervous. They've got the Heisman winner back there. There's no telling what they're going to do. But at the end of the game, I'm, I'm more confident in Alabama uh, th- throughout the rest of the playoff. Obviously, that's one game. But then I was before the playoffs started. I will tell you this. Uh, the, the fast start was good because you, you did get me there. I mean, that's I, I said if Alabama doesn't start fast, they're going to be in serious trouble. It doesn't get faster than the way they started four straight possessions and you know, the first play went for what fifty something 50 yards. Fifty yards, fifty yard play to Devonte Smith to open the game, um, and I'm with you there. And I don't think that that level of of sort of kind of getting out of it because the, the teams got chippy and Alabama got out of their element and they were getting personal fouls and I hate personal fouls and that left a weird taste. I I don't think they played poor. I think Alabama played a really good game. Um, it wasn't a complete game. My my big fear for Alabama is just. If they do that again on Monday, they're not winning by 11. They're losing by 11. Maybe. Maybe. I, I will give you a maybe there. Because I think I think you should go back and rewatch that second half and see how many times Alabama was handing the ball off to try and slow down the clock and try and slow down the game. And did a lot of playing not to lose in that third quarter. And then that fourth quarter woke up and said, oh, God, we can't do this. And it was like a switch flipped right back on with the offense. That's an interesting point because I don't think Alabama does need to do that. No, I don't either. And I don't, I don't think. And I know you love running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, but this is not that, this, this offense is not that I I I have contended that all season that I am somebody who loves running the ball, but your offense is your offense and you need to run your offense. You can't play not to lose, but I don't think Alabama will get in that same scenario and that same mindset with Clemson because the urgency of Clemson's offense is not always there. Do they run up tempo? Yes, about as much as Alabama does. But it's not they're scoring so quick and they're scoring so often that you really got to get up to the line and, you know, slow the clock down. Wait for the play clock, play clock, excuse me, to go down to 3 or 4 seconds, snap it, get 6 yards on a run and then everybody stands in the huddle for 35 seconds. I don't see that happening again. Well, here, um, I, I think we're I think we're kind of at a point where we're transitioning to really previewing Alabama Clemson. Yes, um, yeah, we're, we're yeah. kind of getting there. So on Monday they play for the national championship, third time in four years these two teams they've split national championships so far. This one is more unlike the first two. Obviously, um, this is the most. This is this one is two completely different teams essentially since the last time. Uh, they faced off in a national title. They're two completely different teams from when they faced off in the Sugar Bowl last year. So, um, you know, with that said, a 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific kickoff. Uh, getting now to the game. I, I guess looking at what both teams did, I mean, before we started recording, you told me that you feel more confident in Alabama against Clemson than you did against Oklahoma, and I'm interested to hear why you feel that way. I do. I do. Uh, I think I think it is just building off of, you know, Alabama had to wait a month to avenge the way they played against Georgia. Technically, you could go like you have. And like I just brought up a few minutes ago, the way they did against Auburn in the first half and Georgia Southern in the first half. It didn't leave a good taste in my mouth. Citadel. What did I say? Georgia. You're right. I'm so sorry. It's the Citadel. They're a blue team in the FCS that runs the triple option. They're all the same team to me. They're FCS Southeast, as NCAA would call them. Uh, True. When when I look forward to this game, 
what are the two teams coming off of? They both dominated their opponents. Completely dominated. I, I think that's the best way you can look at it. You can say that Clemson did a little bit more. I'm not going to give Clemson that edge because I, I think their competition was just so much worse. Just so much worse. Um, at the same time, you've got a you've got a lot of people on this Clemson team who remember Alabama beating you. Uh, maybe your freshman year in the national championship, you definitely remember the national championship the next year when you toppled the tide, and then you definitely remember last year when Alabama just ran all over Clemson night and day over and over and over and over and over again. You also have the most important guy on the field as a true freshman who has played great to this season, but I don't think you can go back and pick out any defense he's played that is even remotely comparable to Alabama's. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. Um, no, I don't know that you're going to find one. I think probably the best defenses they faced would have been likely A&M. Who's not a bad defense, don't get me wrong. But it's no, not, this will be the best. Not a bad defense. For but both the, teams, this will be the best defenses they've faced. Uh, yes, for sure. And then again, you can look at the other side of the ball and say the same thing about Alabama. But, oh, wait, they played Georgia and Auburn and Mississippi State, who are all in the top ten at the times that they played them. So, uh, look, I'm not saying this is an easy victory for Alabama. I'm not even saying that I'm necessarily taking Alabama in this game. But moving as an Alabama fan and someone who has watched them all season, I am more confident in the game against Clemson than I am the game against Oklahoma. And maybe that's just recency bias. You know, you're a slave to the moment and all that, and you preach that all the time. But that's just how I feel right now. That's okay. That's a, that's a completely valid point that I can't get on board with. Um, and because I look at Clemson, and I guess I just maybe I'm overrating Clemson, or maybe I'm over underrating Alabama. Uh, or maybe, I, I don't know, I look at Clemson, I see a team with uh, a what I feel to be a generational talent at quarterback, a uh, run game that's been better than Alabama's this season, uh, receivers that against Alabama's corners, um, I think they can really have some success against Alabama's corners, uh, especially Ross and Higgins. Um, I look at a defense for Clemson that specifically all those dudes came back for this game. They came back for this game. That's the reason they came back, and that's the reason Clemson looked a little lackluster to start the season, in my opinion, because they were looking ahead to the playoff. They're here, right? They're done coasting the regular season like LeBron does. These two teams have been there. It's There's no more, well, Alabama's looking for revenge for this, or Clemson's looking for revenge for this. You know, They, they both play each other every year now. You can throw all that out though. It's it's part of the throw the, all that out the window because this is a rivalry now. Um, when Alabama played Clemson in the 2015 national championship, Clemson was the upstart, scrappy, fun team that we thought would only really be there once. Let's be honest. Yeah, we both you're right. we you and I both thought this is cool. This is a cool moment for Clemson. We did not expect three years later to be playing them for a fourth. No, season not three years later. I think I think you and I both thought there was a good chance the next season they would be back. Yeah, we, we knew they'd kind of be there in the ACC for a while. We thought FSE would put up more of a fight than they have. We thought Miami was on the way up, um, and mm. you know, but we didn't expect them to be just a hair below what Alabama is in college football. Um, and so I, I, I just I see another juggernaut. I never saw Oklahoma as a juggernaut this year. 
I just never did. I never really fully believed that they were a national championship caliber team. I was on the fence about them being in the playoff to begin with. So, um, yeah. I, I and, and then they're a team that's, that's much better coached from top to bottom um, on both sides of the ball. And they're a team that, that will capitalize on mistakes. At the same time, Clemson could be the team making mistakes on Monday. But... How can you say that Clemson's better coached than Oklahoma? I'm sorry. I thought you meant than Alabama. Oh, no, excuse no, no. me. Nobody's excuse better coached. Nobody's better coached than Alabama. I, I understand. I yeah. understand. Yes, you were correct about that. Yes, I was I was comparing him to Oklahoma and I, you know, um, as I got far you. As... Yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah, I, uh, you know, the the, the that spread and I was is... never I was never truly scared, like never. Act- I know I had some bad feelings at times. And my feelies were, but I that was more about just the emotion of the game. I was never actually truly scared that Alabama was going to lose to Oklahoma on Saturday. I never really felt that in my loin. Not, I see, I did. I understand where you're coming from, but I did. I know you um, did. I know you did. Because go back through, count on your hand the losses Alabama has suffered in the Saban era. Go ahead and tell me the quarterbacks not starting with Steven Garcia. That's not the team that Alabama loses to anymore. They don't lose that really? game anymore. That's not really? the game they lose anymore. I'll take your word for it. It's a small mobile quarterback who won the Heisman. If I would have told you at the beginning of the season, Alabama has a phenomenal season. Goes to the SEC Championship, lays an egg, Tua gets hurt, and they play a guy, a scrambling quarterback, who wins the Heisman in the first round of the playoffs. I, you, and I both know what you would have said. I they think are the scr- probably I going think to the lose small that game. scrambling quarterback is more of a stereotype now. I think Alabama changed their philosophy as a team specifically based off of Jan- Johnny Manziel and how they couldn't stop him for two years, and now they defend that better. It used to be they couldn't defend it. Because Alabama was big and bulky and they, you know, couldn't run with that guy. They defend it better than other teams now. They just do. Yeah, he always gets his, but Kyler Murray is going to do that. He's won the Heisman for a reason. Um, so let me ask you, Kyler Murray or Trevor Lawrence? Whew. Give me a second. Because to me, it's not a question. Give me a second. I don't know. All right. Who is the quarterback that's gotten closest to beating Alabama the most the last two seasons? If you don't count Auburn. Jake Fromm. Both times it was Jake Fromm. Sure. Absolutely. Both times it was a defense that's going to shut you down if you're doing stupid stuff. And an offense that's going to take advantage of you with their receivers and their, their just overall talent. Sure. And like we've talked about on this podcast, Alabama played their C minus D plus game against Georgia this year and still won the game. If you think that Alabama is going into the national championship, not playing at least their B plus game, you're kidding yourself. How? How is that kidding ourselves? Automatically, they're going to play an A plus game because they're Alabama. I never said it was going to be an A plus game. They could absolutely lay an egg. They, they could 100% do it. When have you seen a Nick Saban team lay an egg in the national championship game? Whew, man, if it weren't for Tua, last year. 
Yeah, if it weren't for Tua, but guess what? Tua was there, and Alabama won the national and championship. And they absolutely did it the year before that. Late an egg, I think, is strong. Remember, Alabama had the lead with a minute and a half left in the best defense they've ever put on the field. They played a generational talent, Deshaun Watson. That's not laying an egg. Yeah, I guess it was more the offense that laid an egg after uh, Bo Scarborough went out. They left, they left the field with the lead. You can't tell me that that ought, <laughs> we're, I think we're rewriting great, that. But they we didn't both lay the an egg. Was, laying an egg was, is what Notre Dame did the other night. No, laying an egg. I mean, yes, if Alabama lays a complete F-bomb of an egg, then yes, they lose this game. If they only score three, yeah, they lose. But an Alabama egg is a C. For all intents and purposes, an egg at Alabama is a C game. Because they just don't do that very often. They don't, they don't play a C game that often. I mean, their floor, uh, we haven't seen Alabama lay an absolute F-bomb of a game since before Nick Saban got to Tuscaloosa. So, I'm, gi- I'm giving Saban the edge here. I, I'm sorry. I'm giving Saban the edge. I'm giving the guy who's been in the situation in the national championship game the edge. I'm giving the edge to the team who is time and time again shut people up this season when they've said, oh, they're overrated. Oh, well, they're tired. Oh, well, two is hurt. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Every, any Every single given Saturday in 2018, in the calendar year of 2018, Alabama walked out on the field and was just better than the team that they played. Somehow or another, were just better than. Even Georgia. And I know you're sitting there like, oh my gosh, no, they weren't. They won the game. No, I think they're better than Georgia. I think that they I, got They that, won the game. They I, find a way to win the game every single time this year. I think I think you're I think you're taking what I'm saying to a different level. What I'm saying, what my argument is is that I'm far more worried about playing Clemson than I am Oklahoma. I'm when we when we finish the end of this preview, I'm still going to pick Alabama to win. You know what's going to happen because I've never picked them to lose. I've never on this podcast picked them to lose. In fact, I'll go so far as to say that every single game since when they played Florida in 2009, I think Alabama has been the better team on the field. In every single game they've played since that day, they've been the they've been the better team on paper. They haven't won them all, obviously. But when Alabama right. loses, I was talking to a friend about this the other day. When Alabama has lost every single game, the last game they came out and just got smacked and played so much just didn't look better, was South Carolina. I mean, you can go to every single loss. LSU that same season. You go from LSU that same season all the way to last year against Auburn. Every single loss was them getting in their own way. And that sounds very Homer. But I will take you to fight tooth and nail. You give me a loss, I'll tell you why I feel that way. 2008 Utah. I said since 2009. Okay, all right, I understand. (laughs) 2010, you mean? 2009, they didn't lose. That's what I meant. Yeah, I guess the, uh, I will the say this: 2008 the spread, game against Florida. Well, no, I meant 2009. I think Florida on paper might have been the better team that year, but yeah. the way Alabama was playing and what they were building, they weren't going to be stopped. And the revenge game too. The revenge exactly. factor was all there. Exactly. Uh, the spread for this national championship is six points. The over under is 59 and a half. I'm going to ask you to. We're going to do something a little bit new. Either pick the spread or pick the money or pick the over under. What did you say the over under is? Fifty nine and a half. I feel pretty okay about taking the under. Okay. 
I'd you would be, take think, you would I take think, the under instead of taking the spread of six points. Yeah, I'm with you. I I would actually. I mean, I think I would, Alabama will win this game by more than six points, but I feel more confident in the fact that I think both teams are going to spend at least the first several drives of this game feeling each other out. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. I don't expect this one to be anything like the playoff games uh, that preceded it. I, I don't see either team coming out and just railing the other team in the first half. Um, you know, I don't see anybody getting up by more than 10 um, until, if it ever happens, until late, late, late in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, I, I think this is going to be a game where one team sort of starts to pull away and the other team kind of comes back and, you know, chops at the bit. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's time for score predictions, right? Well, hold on. Like I've said before, the X factor in this game for me on Clemson's side of the ball, because all I've done is talk about Alabama, I feel like a jerk, is Travis Etienne. Yep. Can here. he get going on the ground? Can he open up those passing lanes for, uh, for Lawrence, for Trevor Lawrence? Um, and can Clemson's offense be two-dimensional? Because if it's one-dimensional, it's going to be a long night. It's going to be a very, very long night. Go and ask Oklahoma. If you can only play one side of the ball, it's a long night against Alabama. Go and ask Georgia. Had large success running the ball and passing the ball the entire game. But if you're one-dimensional, it's going to be a long night. Um, so can they get Etienne um, the ball and get him in space um, and let him sort of establish a ground game so Alabama's got to pull more men in the box? Is Christian Miller going to be healthy enough um, to play for Alabama? He left with a hamstring injury questionable for the game on Monday night. I know he would kill to be out there, but that's a huge vocal leader for that defense. That's a huge quarterback for that defense. Um, and he's somebody who is very good at stopping the run, stopping the run and being great in coverage. Mac Wilson for Alabama, not great in coverage. He has gotten, I will argue, and I want to talk to you about this after the season because I don't think it's appropriate for this episode. Mac Wilson has gotten progressively worse in his time at Alabama. He's one of the few linebackers under Saban that I've ever seen that has gotten worse as time has gone on. Um, so that's, you know, those are big question marks. Um, all that being said, I, I'm ready to give my score prediction if, if you are. Sure. I mean, I'm going to have my own little, uh, my own little, um, pedestal, not pedestal. My, I'm just going to, you know, go ahead, give your score prediction and then I'll have my little speech. I'm going to go. Excuse me, I choked. I'm choking up. Uh, I'm going to go 42-31 okay, Alabama in this one. Okay, Georgia. Sorry. I was making a joke. Okay, cool. Hook them. <laughs> All right, what did you say your score prediction was? I said 42-31. That would put you at the over. It would. It would. Okay. All right. Um... The first thing I'm doing is trying to make sure my score prediction does not coincide with me saying I'm taking the under, and I don't believe it does. <laughs> Just doing the math, because this is the score prediction I kind of came into the podcast with. I'm not cheating here. I actually right. came in with this number. Okay, um, so this game, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Tua Tungavailoa, Trevor versus Tua, Tua versus Treasure, Trevor. Um, oh, I just came up with a new nickname for him, Treasure Lawrence. Oh. Uh-huh. On accident. 
It's adorable. You did great there. Thank you. Two young quarterbacks, best duel of young quarterbacks we've seen in college football since last year's national championship game. Um, but I can't shake the feeling that this game is going to be more about the trenches because it's hilarious to me, not hilarious, but it, it is a little strange. I mean, coming into this season, that was Clemson. Clemson was the fact that all of their defense came back. Clemson, as I've said on a couple times here, might have the better defense in this game. I mean, you got Dexter Lawrence won't be playing. That's huge. But they got all the other guys there too, Christian Wilkins and um and 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 uh, uh Cleland Farrell. Is that his name? Something like that. And yes. um on Alabama's side, you got Raquan Davis and of course Quinnen Williams, who's probably the best player in this game. Um offensive wow. line. I would take Quinnen Williams. You would take Quinnen over Tua. I mean, at this point, just best at his position? Possibly, yeah. Okay. You know, I don't know. The man threw three incompletions in a playoff game. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You just keep going. Keep going. And Quinnen Williams has been an absolute wrecking ball. I think he might be the best player. He's been insane. I'm with you, but you're just, you're an idiot. But keep going. (laughs) I mean, maybe. You know, two is fantastic too. They got a lot of good players on both teams, especially at Alabama. <sighs> anyway, and then um, you know, I really like what you said about Travis Etienne uh, and Josh Jacobs. You know, will either running game be able to get going? I'm not confident in either running game being able to get going. I don't know. Um, I think Alabama will try to attack that spot that Dexter Lawrence used to occupy. I don't know if they'll be successful doing it. I th- I do think both teams are going to feel each other out. I think it's going to be a slow start for both teams in this game. Um, because I think both teams are going to have to kind of figure out what the other side is doing and what they can do against them. I think this game is going to really start get going toward halftime. I think the third quarter is going to be pretty explosive on both sides until we get to the point where both teams try not to make the big mistake late in the game. I'm looking at a 31-24 Alabama win. All right. That's what I got for you. That's your national championship preview, my friend. It's going to be – I will say this. It is is the first national championship in the last four years – where I do not – I know I just sounded very confident. I, I know I could be horribly wrong. This game could end 17-7. I was very confident Alabama was going to destroy Clemson two years ago. Yes, we both were. We both thought that because Al- because Clemson was not as impressive as they were the year before. We thought they sort of kind of charmed their way into the playoffs, and Alabama had perhaps the best defense in college football history. Yes. Um. The year before that, we didn't really know because that was the Jake Coker Alabama team and they were just a kind of bunch of misfits. <laughs> and then last year, neither of us were super confident that Alabama would beat Clemson. In fact, that was uh, the yeah, first, that's right. the closest I've ever come to predicting an Alabama loss and they beat them 24 to 6. So I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't, don't listen to us, is what we're saying. I don't. We're now I'm talking my, now as I'm sitting here. As I sit here, literally as I sit here, I look at Clemson and how they barely beat AM by two points and should have lost that game. 
And now I'm mm-hmm. going, well, maybe I kind of have them wrong. But no, I'm going to go back to my... They're they're in LeBron mode right now. Both teams are. So I'm going to stick with what I said. I'm still going to go 31-24. And I think that's... Uh, yeah, I, I can be okay with that. Cause... Struggled against Syracuse, too. Don't forget that. All right, let's move on to some real football, though. Minnesota played Georgia Tech on December 26th. In wow, the quick lane bowl. We're just going to... We're just going to yeah. gloss right over the barn burner that was Boston College, Boise State. Oh, f- come on. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Uh, I, we're just going to we're just going to rapid fire these. Yeah. Give me give me one. Your best one liner from each game. Ready? Sure. Minnesota, Georgia Tech. I'll take this one first. PJ Fleck is back. Minnesota is definitely turning it around and winning the Big Ten next year. Cal and TCU had nine interceptions. Break. What'd you think of that one? I would say I'd like to. It's very evident that TCU needs a quarterback. I would like to see that be a potential landing spot for Jalen Hurts if he decides uh, to leave. Jalen Hurts did apply for grad school at Alabama the other day. Very Just interesting keep to it know. In mind. Keep in mind, Cheez-It Bowl was a complete shit show. You had an SID get a sideline interference on a 10-7 game that was ended in overtime between a Big 12 school and a Pac-12 school. And uh, that made me not believe in uh, in football heaven So what you just said is that was the best bowl game of the year so far. Heard that. Uh, Uh, Surf Pro First Responders Bowl. The irony that Surf Pro's motto is like it never happened (laughs) is... Why this sport is so great. That was that's Boy, For those of you who are uninformed, this game was canceled after nine minutes of play and Boston College held a 7 nothing lead. And everyone was told to go home because of lightning. That was it. So all those players missed the holidays with their families. All the seniors who have been playing their hearts out and getting CTE every Saturday in the fall for the past four years did not get to finish out their careers on a high note. Nope. Because Thor got angry. The next day, Temple played Duke. It was a nightmare. Duke won 56-27. Brick, what's your one-liner from the Independence Bowl and Shreveport? Please, 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 please don't let the Dolphins be stupid enough to draft Daniel Jones based on this game. Buddy, he had 423 yards, though. Bull City. Yeah, Bull you know, City. And, and you know who else had some great 400-yard passing games in his career? Blaine Gabbert. So, yeah, go ahead and get the, he's 6'6 with a strong arm and wears number 17. He looks like Philip Rivers, so he must be him. Uh, I think Ryan Finley more accurately portrays Philip Rivers, especially since they both went to your sweetheart. Okay. Uh, the New Era Pinstripe Bowl where Miami got curb stomped so bad that Mark Richt retired. Mm, Miami, you thought you were it this year. Actually, both teams thought they were it this year, and neither of them were, but at least Wisconsin went out with some fight. Miami one gave of, up in the second quarter of that game. One of the better games from this bowl season that will go underrated from this bowl season was Baylor-Vanderbilt and the Academy Sports Texas 100% agree. This is one of the few ones I got to watch beginning to end. Thank you, to the Renaissance in Nashville with their huge TV, and thank you even mm-hmm. more to the fact that it was raining in Nashville, so the Battle of the Bands between Purdue and Auburn got canceled, meaning my day ended two hours early that night. That was a nice little treat, and I got to watch this game. Really fun. Uh, really fun game. Really fun back, game. Can we talk uh, about how upset I am that you were in my hometown while I was also in my hometown, but you got there too late, were too busy, and I left the night after you got there? That's, that, is, that is a real shame. Almost as shameful, almost as shameful 
as, uh, let's, I'm trying to find a segue, almost as shameful as the way Purdue showed up to the mortgage, Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl. That I uh, yeah, Auburn set a record for points scored in the first half, and guess what? You still only won seven games. Eight, by the way. Who cares? Iowa State didn't show up against Washington State either. Mike Leach notching a big win. Big season out in Pullman, sir. Hey. Y'all watch out for the Pirate now. That was a, 26-20, that was a 28-26 game. They showed up. They just didn't uh, get it done. No, Matt Campbell still should get a head coaching job at a good school. I love yes. the idea of a team, maybe West Virginia, uh, hiring a guy like Matt Campbell. Uh, yeah, West Virginia, speaking of, losing to Syracuse 34-18. Bootstraps, Bill didn't play. Hit me with the soundbite, please, sir. It's not in a thing today. I'm sorry. It's Never like mind. It's not in the rota. doesn't matter. He didn't because play. He doesn't get us. the soundbite. Yeah, that's um, how it goes. Real quick, uh, speaking of West Virginia, we're going to stop here. I'm going to stop you. Dana Holgerson's going to Houston. Um, Let's talk about that for a sec. Yeah, what what is what is what's up with that? Um, I know you don't have it on the soundboard, but in an imaginary world where we can just put whatever we want in an instant, uh, Nelly's must be the money would start playing right now. Mm, I can hit you with this instead. Bootstraps, bootstraps. God, I love you so. Yeah, much. I'm only two minutes late on that one, but no. Uh, okay, I'll I'll answer my own question. I think Dana Holgerson kind of saw the writing on the wall. And he's kind of bailing on West Virginia a little bit because he knows he's never going to win the big one there. And he's going to have absolutely nothing coming back next year. Almost sort of a getting out while he can scenario. Although I'm not a huge fan of the move to Houston other than the fact that I guess he used to coach there. But I don't know. I look, it's I can't it's pretend messy. to know. I can't pretend to know. Uh, okay. On the same day as the semifinal games, um, in the uh, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, a.k.a. last year's national championship game, Florida, this year's national champions now, by beating Michigan 41-15. Was this a uh, bigger deal as far as now Florida's back under Dan Mullen, or was this a Michigan's entire defense decided to go to the NFL and they weren't interested because their season ended when they played Ohio State kind of game? I still think this is pretty big for Dan Mullen. This is going to do a lot for recruiting. This does a lot for them. I mean, look at the way that their biggest rival, Georgia, ended their season. No, that's a good point. All right, so uh, who goes into the offseason with more momentum? I know I'm skipping bowl games here, but it just popped into my mind, and if I don't say it now, I'm going to forget it. Florida, Texas A&M, LSU. Who, is the, who goes into more, more, more momentum, and who do you like the most for next season? Florida. Very early impressions. Out, out of those three, Florida, for sure. I'm going a and I, I like it. That would be my second choice. But I think Florida was I, – I, I pegged them way overrated at 10. I thought they were going to get whooped by Michigan. And uh, they could not have proved me more wrong. Shea Patterson had 236 yards, but that was pretty much it. Florida and Felipe Franks kind of did whatever they wanted throughout the entire game. Hey, buddy, what's going on with Jim Harbaugh? Is he okay? Should we call him? What's going on with me? You're fine. You're fine. You're a hockey player. This week's episode brought to you by water from the makers of sand and grass. And I apparently can't drink it. It's fine. I'll just keep going and talk about the Belk Bowl. I'm going to see how much time I can fill on the Belk Bowl until you're better. I think so. I'm going to keep talking about the Belk Bowl. Uh, Virginia won 28 0, which is nice for Virginia. Belk Bowl played in Charlotte. Charlotte, not one of my favorite cities in North Carolina. 
I'm being honest. <clears throat> It's a little surprised. too crowded. The Knights play there. It's the Bulls' big rival. And honestly, I hate the Knights. I'll say it on the podcast. I don't really care if they know. Yeah, I, mean, I, I hate Charlotte. Know, What's would... messed up is they're in the White Sox organization. That the, that organization was my first minor league job. I worked for the Birmingham Barons. You sure did. I wish you'd work for them again. I know. One day. One day. Um, One day. No, you know, good win for Bronco Mendenhall. I hate that for South Carolina. That's trash. Not to score a single point in this bowl game. People were talking so high about Jake Bentley and the way he threw for over 500 yards against Clemson. That's fool's gold. Jake Bentley's nothing, and South Carolina's dead to me right now. Um, Remember that uh, Jake Bentley threw uh, for 500 yards. Jake Bentley? Hold on. Let me. You're not hearing that. Jake Bentley threw for 500 yards against Clemson, and you think that Tua's going to struggle. I didn't say anybody's struggling. Look, you didn't say he wasn't going to struggle. All right, Nova home. Hold on, on hold on. You're not, you're not, first of all, we're not going to discuss that bowl game. And two, never <laughs> once did I disparage Tua in this entire podcast. I've never disparaged Tua. I'm just saying you're not giving the man credit where credit is due. I'm giving him all the credit he deserves. Then quit being a coward and say you should have won the Heisman like you and I are both thinking. I've said I would have voted for him on this podcast. Yeah, I wouldn't have voted for him. I, I think I still think Kyler was your Heisman winner. Sorry. Just saying. As we move on, um, Arkansas State won or lost in overtime to Nevada. I don't know why you're angry about this game, but we can skip it anyway. Because at this point, wow. All right, yeah, let's get through some not as fun games. Uh, Northwestern Utah, Northwestern thirty-one, Utah twenty. Texas Jade A&M, Stoner, sweetheart. State. Uh, just. You know, Jimbo. Hold on, can we pause on this one for a little bit? Yeah, I'm going to. Jimbo Fisher, good first season in Texas A&M. Can we talk a little bit more about the other team, please? Beating up on a bad NC State team. On a bad NC State team, who? Who was my sweetheart? Yes, they were. Yes, they were. And there's never a day that's going to go by where I don't think about my Wake Forest Demon Deacons, who, by the way, won their bowl game. Won their bowl game, Brick. Won their bowl game. Wait till next NC year. NC State did not. They also won the Sweetheart Bowl. Wait their season's State. over. They're no longer my sweetheart. Their season is Look, finished. Their season ended at the night after the Sweetheart Bowl, and you and I both know it. Yeah, it really it actually genuinely did. Yeah. Actually, uh, Kellen their, Mond played their, their pretty well. Their season ended when they lost to Clemson, but... Travion Williams is amazing. He's a, he's a great back. Tyrell Dodson... The kid that I know from Nashville. He was part of a summer camp that I used to go work at. Great dude. Always was. I knew him in middle school. Tried to dunk on me one day. Put his knee in my collarbone. Almost made it. It's pretty cool. He had a pick six this game. Announced he's going to the NFL draft today. Going to be cool to see someone get out of the dirty streets of Franklin. Not kidding. There are some really, really bad streets in Franklin. Uh, He was on one of the really bad ones. To see him go from that being 12 years old, taking his little brother to and from camp with him every day, loading up his lunchbox for him because his mom had to work. Now he's going to the NFL. I'm proud of him. Really, yeah, but really you proud act like you. he's the only one. Do what now? You, you act like he's the only one to come out of Franklin and go to the NFL. You are completely dismissing the long, illustrious career of Parker Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> Parker Rhodes, uh, 2006 Heisman winner. <laughs> I completely forgot about that joke until right now. God, that was such a good joke. That was such a good joke. A joke that I know nobody I know he understands. listens to this too. Uh I do need to give him a shout out though. He moves uh ten days from now. 
uh, to England where he will live for three years and work. So congratulations, buddy. Big move for you. We're proud of you. Uh, Let's move on. Missouri. Drew Locke throws for 373 yards and a loss because Missouri couldn't get it together. The Mississippi waterfall wherein Mike Gundy won in 38-33. What did you see from this game, my friend? Nothing. I don't, you know, uh, I saw Missouri. I I still am not a huge, I like Drew Locke's skill set, but he's just another one of those stereotypes of quarterbacks that I'm not a fan of. Hey, now, he'll go to the NFL and play on a scout team, maybe. He'll probably go first round because guys like Justin Herbert and, and maybe Dwayne Haskins don't want to come out this year for whatever Well, and Miles Kuyper thinks he's the greatest quarterback ever. And, yeah, we're going to spend an entire, you know, three months hearing why Daniel Jones and, and Drew Locke and— Ryan Finley. Ryan, yeah, you can put Ryan Finley in that group and—, and Guys, yeah, Drew Locke's probably going to go to a team like the Jaguars, and they're going to real. The Jaguars are going to sit around going, "I don't know why we're a bad franchise," or the Dolphins. Draft guys like Drew Locke, Ryan Tannehill, and um, and Blake Bortles, and then wonder why you're not winning playoff games. Cincinnati beat Virginia Tech wearing white helmets, and it made me angry. Yeah, we're done with that one. Stanford beats Pittsburgh in a game that. No one I don't cares think about anybody talked about, and the best bowl game was the red su- red 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 box. The red bowl. suck. <laughs> the red suck bowl. The red box bowl. Um, uh, yeah. Hmm. If I told you Justin Herbert and Brandon Lewerke were playing in a bowl game together, who would you say had more yards passing? <laughs> I would. I would pick Brian Lewerke. Who, who won that battle? By the way, with one hundred and seventy-two yards. That's one of those. Uh, that's one of those games that I don't know. It's going to be a meme for the entire offseason for both franchises or I guess teams, not franchises, programs. Let's call it what it is. College football is a business. All right, uh, time for yeah. some games we can chew on. Mm, let's munch on them. Yummy. Can we go chronologically? Yes. Mississippi State lost to Iowa, which was annoying. Yeah, it really is just kind of. It, it, that's a good way to put it. It's just sort of annoying that they that they lost. Because now we don't get blooming onions. We don't get blooming onions, and SEC, SEC homers did like to brag a little bit about Mississippi State's defense, but yeah, they lost to Iowa. So well, guess what? They get that back with Kentucky beating Penn State. That was Snell nice. Snell becoming the all-time leading rusher at Kentucky, 27-24. This was an exciting one for the Citrus Bowl, my friend. Yeah, he broke um he broke uh uh the uh round mound quarterback, round mound the the hefty lefty's rushing record. Yeah, the round mound of touchdown is what you're trying to say. <laughs> I was trying to say. Yeah, that's not the guy whose record he broke, but it was a fun moment for Kentucky to beat Penn State in a bowl game and really just kind of cap off what's probably been their best season ever. Yeah, sure. Can't wait for them to have six wins next year. LSU beat UCF in a game where LSU had nine defensive starters at the end of the game. They had nine players, whether it was before the game decisions were made or during the game they got ejected or they got injured. They had nine defensive starters beat UCF by eight. Joe Burrow threw for 394 yards. They had 500 yards of offense. It's fun to laugh at. It's fun. It's hilarious. It's fun to go, you know, UCF, UCF, UCF. Ha 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 ha. You called yourself champions. 
that's that's fun. Uh, it would have been really tough to listen to the to a fan base had they gone undefeated two years in a row. I've never yeah. been the UCF hater that you've been, but I was still pretty happy to see LSU win that game. Well, you're just over it. At some point, you just get over it. And I, I was just over. I'm just tired of them. Just shut up. Now, just shut up. There is a problem, and you. It doesn't help that it was UCF and the way they kind of went about parading themselves uh, for over a year at this point. But I will admit that there is a real like problem as far as the group of five is concerned. Hundred percent. Because we can say that they don't play anybody, but they really don't play anybody because they just happen to be a group of five school. Yeah, you can say join. Well, a that and they school. won't accept a two for one with the team who just waxed. Right, like I said, shit. you know, because they well, they're going about it wrong, in my opinion. But at the same time, I don't think them beating Florida this year would have gotten UCF in the playoff, even if UCF had beaten Florida by a realistic score. From what we just learned, had they pulled out a seven-point win over Florida, right? An eight-point loss to you to LSU. I could see a world where they beat Florida by seven. I still don't think they would have gotten in the playoff because a nobody wants to see UCF in a playoff. Money-wise, fans aren't going to tune in to watch that because teams fans don't care about UCF. And yeah, well, that's basically it because of perception. UCF Twitter was unbearable after the game, by the way. Like the football account, which is becoming, uh, it's a close second uh, to UMBC's basketball account for the most hated social media account I have in my heart. I I can't stand either of them. Talk about two Twitter accounts that have taken one thing and blown it so far out of proportion and beat a dead horse so bad. Oh yeah, yeah. No, you're you're right. You were. Completely, oh my gosh. I unfollowed that account months ago, though, for that very reason. Um, no, okay. So, I think I don't know why I'm stopping so hard on this, but I do feel a little passionate about it because I do feel bad. Not UCF, but I do feel bad for any team that can really just take care of business two years in a row. And still never really get a shot. Like, it was easy to hate UCF because they got went about it wrong. And so it's, well, we guys didn't play anybody. Shut up. Just shut up. But at the same time, I think the only way a team makes the playoff from the group of five, because Houston could have done it a couple years ago. You got to have not even a superstar player. It's a head coach thing. I think if Scott Frost had stayed this year and gone undefeated, they would have had a better shot because of perception. Do you disagree? I don't disagree. They would have had a better shot. They still wouldn't have gotten in. Because their perception would have been different with Scott Frost, like Tom but Herman at Houston. Go back and listen to the podcast after the national championship from last year. And I said, as UCF was parading around like national champions, if you want to be in the playoff, do this again next year. Go undefeated again next year. And I'm not promising that you're going to get in, but the conversation will start to expand the playoff. What has happened? <laughs> they they went undefeated, again. and guess what we're going to be talking about as soon as the season's over? Yeah. Oh, had they won this game, the call for eight would have been even higher, and I'm going to get uh, it. Would have been, it would have been almost automatic. Now I say it's about a 70% chance. Yeah, we'll see. Um, what was the next game? Was it, was it 
Washington, it was Ohio, Washington State. Ohio State. I don't want to spend too much time on this game. I thought it was very boring. Dwayne Haskins played okay. Jake Browning right. played really well for some odd reason. And Ohio State still won by five. Washington scored late, and that makes it look kind of closer than it was. But uh, granddaddy of them all is just kind of losing its luster for me, if we're being honest. Well, that's 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 because of the playoff. That has nothing to do with it being the Rose Bowl. If this was still BCS, that would have been a big game. But the playoff has killed things like the Fiesta Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. And If you're not in the playoff, then nobody cares. Uh, what, you mean the New Year's Six doesn't matter? No. That's in- that's insane. That doesn't like seem right at all. It's like a triple-double in basketball. You know what else doesn't seem right at all? The All-State Sugar Bowl. Texas beat Georgia 28-21. No. In a game that Georgia, was not that close. Georgia was a playoff team, though. Just talk. Just let's Let's just talk for a second about this, please. Georgia, what are you doing? How 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 do you how are you losing to Texas? Is it is it because they're not motivated? You know what? I'm actually going to take that that stance. Yes. I I look. I'm tired of that cliche. I I understand it. Alabama's done it too. I get it. I totally get it. I have to but take it because I would be a hypocrite if I didn't. I understand. My point is to be not motivated. Is okay. We lost, and and Georgia eventually did lose by seven. We lost by seven. We we just didn't have you know final drive. Who cares, right? Georgia laid down and died. They showed no fight coming out of halftime, and it was really disappointing to see because no, this, this, this Georgia team was one that my good friend Patrick Brickman proclaimed at the beginning of the season was a future dynasty. I still stand by that. I, look, I hope you're right because I think it's good for college football, but I'd much rather be a Texas fan today than I would a Georgia fan. Well, yeah, but that's very reactive. Think about, think about your last two games if you're a Georgia senior. That's tough. That's tough. If you're a recruit looking at Georgia, say – for some odd reason, you're you're a recruit looking at Georgia and Texas as your two options. Who are you taking? Georgia. Wait, you're I'm taking tell me- Texas. No, because of this game. That's so reactionary. No, 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 no. Not because of this game. Because of how Georgia has trended over the last two games, which is we get to the big game, we get to the big moment, go okay. all the way back to Let last. Let me stop year, you. And we don't so, perform. So you're going to tell me that in 2000, now 14, that you look at Alabama and you look at Oklahoma. Which one are you picking? Okay. No, well, hold on. Alabama, Alabama lost, lost to their rival on a last... Alabama lost on kick six. On a last second play, on a last minute loss that, that decimated no, 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 no. their Don't season. Don't call it a last minute loss. A last second loss. A very similar type of loss. No. A very unlikely way to lose. No. So, no. so we're going to say that the difference between these two is the 50 seconds that were off the clock? I All no, I'm saying it was is a, right it now... it was a heartbreaking loss that essentially meant they weren't going to win the national championship, which at Georgia, at Alabama, is the goal. If you don't do that, it's a failure of a season now for both teams. And they didn't get to play in their conference championships, so... Well, I guess that was their conference championship. They didn't get to play in the national championship. They didn't get to play in the playoff. So... 
Right, but one school lost their conference championship and showed up to play. The other school almost beat the team that beat the team that you're playing. There's no reason you should absolutely not crush this team. Uh, right? Motivation. I'm saying motivation is completely a factor. I'm saying if I'm a recruit, I'm still picking Georgia. It's it's no. And you know what? I, I'll backtrack on that because, obvi- yes, I understand what you mean. Sure, I'll pick Georgia right now, but the way these programs are trending going into next season, if you're Georgia, look, if, actually, no. If you're a recruit, look up and you're going, okay, Texas beat Oklahoma this year. That's their only competition in the Big 12. Right now, Georgia has to face Florida next year, who's a top 10 team, whether they deserved it or not, that just beat Michigan, who is the number one defense in the country, and Alabama probably. And if you don't have to play Alabama, you got to play whatever sort of team that was born out of hell beat Alabama in the SEC championship game. So if I'm if I'm a recruit, I want to win national titles, I want to compete in a playoff, I'm going to Texas. Well, now you just you just went SEC over. That's a SEC versus Big 12 argument. That's not a Georgia versus Texas argument. Cuz you can say the same thing at LSU, you can say the same thing at Alabama. You got to play Georgia, you got to play Auburn, you got to play I mean that's a conference debate. Yes, but you're Alabama. It doesn't, debate. That's completely different. Which, another thing I want By to By the way, about if this UN... game was played on December 1st, right? If this game was played on December 1st, you think Texas, do you think this game goes the same way? Do you genuinely feel that if Georgia and Texas played on December 1st, and every player, DeAndre Baker, the players that are sitting out, every player on both teams are completely bought in because they had no reason not to be. You think this game still ends 28-21 Texas's way? Absolutely not. It's not no, an excuse. No, it's but abysmal. I wouldn't be surprised if you I was told mad me Texas at Alabama won. when they did it against Oklahoma. I was disgusted, but I still realized that that's probably what happened. Now it's not an excuse. It's not okay, but it's not a program. It doesn't do anything. Like yes, they're going to have more fun, but what we're going to remember is the fact that we're coming back next year and Georgia's going to have Jake Fromm, the entire defense. Uh, both all these running backs, Swift and Holyfield, they're all going to be back, and nobody's going to care that Georgia lost the Sugar Bowl. Jake Fromm, who couldn't hit the broad side of a barn in Nobody the second half of the Alabama SEC championship lost game, the very and, same Sugar Bowl, and the entire Sugar Bowl. Nobody cared by September that Alabama lost the Sugar Bowl to Oklahoma. Nobody cared. You're right, but I'm I'm just I don't see those two things the same way. Georgia's gonna really finish don't. with the number two recruiting class. They're gonna be completely fine, and they're just buying out their time until either a they can stop shitting the bed against Alabama, or b Nick Saban retires. They're just biding their time, waiting for that moment so they can take over. Right, and Texas is just completely in ashes, right? There's no way Texas, no, is, Texas is gonna be is back. Set next up year. Well, Texas this is a good win for Texas. I'm not even taking this away from Texas, but this I'm is, not going this to- is not a good win for Texas. this is monumental. This is their biggest win since the win over USC. I'm not taking anything away from Texas. I'm not gonna re overreact about the state of Georgia football. I'm not saying they're not gonna make the playoff next year. I'm not saying they're downtrodden and ruined. You just said, look at the trend of the program. They don't have a... So you're saying there's no trend downward. There's absolutely no trend downward if you're Georgia. No. Once they lost to Alabama, that was it. Their season ended no matter what. Okay. Okay. This does not affect any recruit thinking about it. It's a completely defeatist attitude. 
That's why I was mad when Alabama did it. But it didn't change recruits' minds. I'm not going to Alabama anymore. They still went. And these recruits, none of them are not going to go to Georgia. Not even the ones that haven't signed in February. Nobody's going to look at this game and go, ooh, maybe Georgia's not the place for me. They don't. It's not going to matter. Like, we love it. I loved watching Georgia lose. I really liked watching Kirby Smart's team not show up to play for him. It was awesome. It was great to see Texas and, and Sam Ellinger to stand on the stage and say, we're back. That was an awesome moment. But in September, it won't matter anymore. It won't matter anymore in February. It just won't. And that's the problem. I with can recognize that Georgia games. just didn't care. Just didn't show up, and they didn't care until the fourth quarter when they realized, oh, this is kind of embarrassing. Call me crazy, but I'd rather play for the team that shows up to play on the Sugar Bowl. Looks like you're signing to go to play at Oklahoma then in 2014. That's fine. Then I get to compete for a national title in 2017. Like, what's your point? Like, I'm still making the playoff. <laughs> and I had an easier route to get there, and I probably got more playing time. Because you're, you're, you're not going to tell me that you would have picked Oklahoma. I think I'm just comparing them because it really didn't matter for either school. It's not going to matter. Yeah. No, you're right. And that's that's another reason why this New Year's Six thing is dumb. Because it just, it doesn't matter. But if Alabama loses on Monday, are they trending downward? It's, it's kind of like, no, they're fine. Like, they lost a game. It's dumb, but it it's the sugar. No, they're ball. not. But that's, that's, compl- that's a completely different discussion. Because we can also both admit that it ha- had Kirby not tried a fake punt on 4th and 11, and they beat Alabama. Probably would have won that game, yeah. They would have won the game, and they would not have played like they did yesterday had they actually been in a playoff scenario. 100%. Completely agree with you. So it's despicable that they don't show up, and it sucked when Alabama did it, and it sucked when Alabama did it against Utah in 2000. That one is more painful for me, yeah. And it stinks when any other, and I could probably think of other teams that have done it, honestly. But if if I really put my mind to it, I can think of LSU teams, against Notre Dame one of those seasons probably. That's a good point. LSU's done that against Notre Dame. But at, at the, the end p- of the day, it's fun, and we can make our memes. And Texas is back, and you know Kirby can't win the big one, even though this wasn't the big one. But he's still. I mean, he can't. Georgia show me be a, the show Georgia, me a time that he did. I'll even put it on. I'll I'll even speak it into existence. Georgia's going to come into next season ranked third in the country. Yeah. That's fine. Texas is going to be right behind them. <laughs> Texas will be top like, 10 too. Yeah, at like 7 or 8. But that's my point is like, okay, then look at the schedules. Who's Texas going to play next season? Okay, they got to play Oklahoma. Yeah, that's going to suck. That, <laughs> Georgia's got to play yeah, that's a Florida. That's a conference debate. That's not a – Auburn, That has nothing Alabama. to do with anything. Right. But that was my point. That's my recruiting point. What's my easier path to get to the playoff? It's not going and playing in Georgia. It's not going and playing in Alabama either. Well. Why would any recruit go there if it's so much easier to go at Texas? Because you're at Alabama. I think Which a- brings me to my next point, and this is kind of how I want to wrap it up. If you're done with this Texas-Georgia discussion. I guess I am. Clemson and Alabama are on two such higher echelons than everybody else in college football. It is unfair. The past four seasons have proven that. We can talk about all these other teams. Bootstraps. When you talk about Clemson and Alabama, that is the number one, number two team over the past five years. 
will that change within the foreseeable future and which team will change first? Okay. Um, I know that while you're asking that question, I have to say this, the, the soundboard kind of did this really weird thing. I don't know if you heard it. I, I did hear it, but I decided to power through it. <laughs> Very good job getting through that. But I believe I heard Thank your you. question. I was trying to fix that. We do not have a soundboard up anymore. That's um, fine. Nope. It came back. Give me a second. Bootstraps, bootstraps. All right. I will not be touching that button again until the end of this podcast. <laughs> That's incredible. Wow. I believe you the asked The question that, was. For the last Alabama four years, it's Clemson. obviously been the same two teams that have been program-wise, without a doubt, the best ones. Uh, other contenders have come in and out, but it's been Alabama-Clemson pretty consistently. Will that change? Is that what you asked? Uh, no, it was... Who will who will fall off that echelon first? When will that be, do you think? And why will that be? That's a very, very interesting question. This is a very like philosophical way far down the because I don't think this is happening for another two or three years. And I'm not saying that Clemson and Alabama are both making the playoffs for the next two or three years, but they'll be in the conversation by the time the year ends. See, that's interesting because I Alabama is the better program because they've been doing it for longer and they've won more national championships, and we both know that. At the same time, who is stepping up in the ACC to knock off Clemson? There are not contenders in that conference. There just aren't. It's not going to be Willie Taggart. Mark Richt is gone. Um, it's not Virginia Tech. It's not Georgia Tech. It's nobody. It, who is it? I'm asking if there's a team. There is not a team. Pitt. There is not. There is... Speaking of easy roads to the playoffs, it doesn't get easier than Clemson right now. So, tell me about it. Um, although I will one hundred times out of one hundred tell you that Alabama right now as a program is the best one in college football history and and better than Clemson. As far as falling off first for the foreseeable future, I've got to maybe lean Alabama. Based on just the factors that Clemson has nothing standing in their way, unless the first year of Taggart was an anomaly, while Alabama, the SEC, is kind of seeing a rebirth with young coaches. Kirby Smart, Dan Mullen, Jimbo Fisher, all resurrecting programs. Um, Gus Malzahn? No. Auburn will have somebody new within the next couple years. Will they be good? We don't know. But we know that there's three good young coaches in the SEC that might be able to make something happen. And, and even Orgeron, I owe a sort of semi-apology to LSU, even though I'm not, I still kind of am bullish on them. But I will offer a small apology to the way I've talked about LSU all season long. Um, even LSU could make some noise. So, and Nick Saban is much older than Dabo Swinney. Yes. So that's, the only that's way the, big the only the only way I don't say Clemson is if Saban retires and Swinney pieces out immediately, which becomes less and less likely every season. Yes. So that's yeah, my very that. long-winded answer to that question. I think the uh, joke of the Pat's interference old adage of future Alabama head coach Dabo Swinney is dying year by year. It's still possible. Alabama can offer more money. Alabama's home. Alabama's where he played, where he grew up, what he loves. He played at Pelham. We all know this. 
We all know this to be true. We all know it. But it does. the more he becomes a legend, a walking, living, breathing legend at Clemson, that looks sweeter and sweeter when you put it up against having to be the guy that replaces Nick Saban. Yes. Because you have two, three bad years after that, you're gone. And then you're not at Clemson anymore either. You got to sound off for me tonight, buddy. I was going to do a very long-winded thing about the playoff. We're almost an hour and a half on this podcast. I won't make it so long-winded as I was planning. But I will say that I'm not a proponent of eight. Wow. The more I think about it, I I just, I look, we and we've, we've kind of alluded to it. And it always happens when I see the New Year's Six games and how little they matter. I know I, I know I just kind of went to bat for Georgia, but I'm not happy that Georgia didn't show up. Right? And I'm not happy that that nobody cares about the Rose Bowl. But we go to an 18 playoff, that matters less. The playoff, the, the regular season matters so much less. And we're going to end up with like four teams a year that just shouldn't even be in a postseason. I don't know. I mean, I've never let me, been the let me Let me ask in. you, let me propose a question. Sure. Why not six? That just makes a secondary argument. Like, what? look at the top six right now. Tell me none of them deserve to be in the playoff. Go back last year. Tell me none of them deserve to be in the playoff. Because that creates, in my mind, that creates a secondary argument. This just that it's even more annoying than the current one, which is the bye week. And then we'll just have to argue about the bye week every year and how this team got. I don't know. I don't think in college football there needs to be a, a first round bye. I I don't yeah. like the idea of that, and I also abhor the idea. Right? I'm I'm like not completely against eight. Like, I, I could see myself warming, and I warmed up to it a little bit more this year than I did last year. I'm still not fully on board. Um, I think I think four is the happy place right now, in my mind. But I abhor the idea of automatic conference title gets you in. I hate that. Okay. Hate it to the core. I will never be a proponent of that because... I just it, it it kills the regular it destroys the regular season. What do you think about getting away getting uh, rid of conference championships? No, we got to keep those in. Got to keep them, but they don't matter, right? No, they matter. It's another. It's an extension of the season. It's an extension of the year. It's an extension. It's still it's still an extension of the season. It's not that they don't matter, but I don't think they should be automatic berths because I do not ever want to see an eight and five Northwestern team backdoor their way in off of some fluke, and it just it kills the idea of the regular season because we can look at Northwestern and we can go, well, they're eight and five, but really all they got to do is win that one game. Don't want to see it. Don't want to see it a, becomes it becomes the NFL at that point. We we will eventually because at some point then we would exactly. And that is not what I want college football to be. NFL no, is fine right. as its own entity. That's fine I, I because it's professional football. The best part of college football to me is that idea, even when I was an FSU fan and when they were losing in September every year. 
The best part was just the fact that every week there was some insane moment that changed everything. That I goes away the, if you go to eight and, and automatically start putting conference champions in. I think the big conversation with eight has to be surrounded around we cannot keep doing this to a team like Central Florida. Yes, it allows Central Florida to get in as like a seven. And, and I think and I think that's the big crux of that eight conversation, though. If if UCF weren't in the picture, the conversation of eight teams should be in a playoff would be way less of a hot topic right now. UCF has done their job. They've paved a way for other power, or for other group of five schools to make that argument, right? To make that claim. Um, I've always been a big proponent of eight and finding a way to fit in some sort of group of five something if they are deserving. And that is a big disclaimer. I think if you're a group of five team, you have to go undefeated and have a power five win. Maybe not a good one, but you have to have one. And then you can start talking about it. So as long as there is something in place to protect group of five teams from getting absolutely dismantled because two loss Penn State beat Ohio State in the conference championship, right? And yeah. UCF's been undefeated for two years. If you make it eight and then they're still getting bounced out, it that's, man, then you're really playing with fire. Because then group of five schools are like, all right, then why are we even playing? And that's kind of why my feeling has been to sort of fix scheduling first and see what happens. I don't. I. I mean, I. I said in this podcast that I there is a problem with group of five. I. I. I fully believe that. Um, I'm not like, and I just said a minute ago, I'm not completely against eight. I'm not there yet. I'm not convinced that eight is perfect. Is this? It's solve everything problem. Because then we're just going to have 9 and 10 complaining. The ninth and 10th ranked team in the country. Right. And we can say, oh, well, it doesn't matter the 9 and 10. But it will. It just will. Because it won't yeah. take very many years. It really won't take very many years of an 18 playoff for an 8 to beat a 1. It won't take that long. Or a 7 to beat a 2. It will happen within the first couple of years. And then we'll go, well, why couldn't that have been 8 or 9? Why couldn't that have been in the ninth team? You know, the same arguments exist. Got to fix scheduling. Got to fix scheduling. You have to, and I, I think UCF has it. to start accepting the two-for-one sort of deals. Not All just those UCF. You've got to fix everybody's. Yes. And that includes yeah. Alabama. That includes don't have them play the Citadel. That includes make them do home-and-homes. Everybody. I like it. I like it. I've got, I've got a little sound off this week. It's not, it's not terrible, if you'll let me... Allow me to reintroduce myself, if you will. Sure. Your name is Hove. H to the OV. Uh, the location for this year's national championship is one of the absolute worst things I have ever seen. <laughs> you can get a ticket to the game for 130 bucks right now. $130. Ticket sales have plummeted 90%. They're playing the game in a city that does not care about college football. They never have cared about college football. They just played a Pac-12 championship there that sold 31,000 tickets. That's it. Now, granted, those Pac-12 teams weren't great, and I understand that. But it's a city that doesn't care. It's at a time when everybody's in traffic in one of the worst traffic cities in the world. In the entire world. It's worse than places. It's as bad as L.A. 
it's as bad, not as bad as New York, but it's up there with New York. Uh, or we'll flip that. I'd, I'd say it's around there with New York and not as bad as L.A. Orlando's really bad. You've got Tokyo is really bad. You've got all this traffic going on at kickoff. It's going to be windy. It's going to be so windy on this game on Monday. That is going to play a huge factor in this game. Can you imagine a college kicker kicking in those winds? I mean, it's it's just Can you imagine stupid. an Alabama kicker kicking in those winds? It's just stupid. The it ball makes might not no move sense. Forward. If you want to, if you want to play a game in one of those cities, that's fine. Put them in a dome because the game, the national championship, should be about the two best teams, not the factors around the two best teams. That's I my complete, I completely agree. I'm no, I'm with you. Listen, I, I think stupid. it's, I, it, it, I know you have to give the West Coast love. This isn't about Southern. You know, you have to put it in the South. It isn't. Um, but you do you do kind of play with fire when you put it out there. And like you said, yes, the kickoff has to be at five. Because your money's still, no matter where you put it, the money for college football is going to be made in the South. The people that are actually watching the game, unless the national championship ends up being Oregon versus Nevada. <laughs> I mean, you know... It's going to be in the South, which means you need to put it when they're sitting on the couch, which is 7 o'clock, which means it has to be 5 out there. You're right. It is it is a little – and then – It's yeah, just it, stupid. It's, I don't know why it has to be this way, but, you know, Levi Stadium, they built the new stadium, and everybody that builds a new stadium gets their shot. Right? Atlanta got it last year. Um, Miami completely rebuilt the Orange Bowl so that they could host the Super Bowl, but they're definitely going to be hosting a national championship soon enough too as the orange bowl, but they literally just rebuilt the stadium because they were to the NFL told them, no, you will not have a super bowl until you renovate your dump. And they did. And now they get the super bowl. It's, it's, L- it's, listen, it's more of a political thing than it is a common sense thing. There's no reason that the team's fan base should fly on the literal. You cannot get more on the opposite side of the United States than Greenville, South Carolina going to San Francisco, California. It's true. It's just stupid. I think that does it for this episode, buddy. This is one of our longer ones ever. That's okay. It's a national championship preview. It should be, right? It should be. It should be. Uh, we are on social media. Uh, we are on Twitter at PI underscore podcast. We're on Facebook at Pat's Interference. That's P-A-T apostrophe S Interference. You can also go to our website at patsinterference.com. Uh, you can send us an email um, at patsinterference at gmail.com. If you've got suggestions or anything you want us to talk about, we have had a couple suggestions. Going to talk about the coaching carousel after the season. We also have been getting pinged a little bit as far as bringing back the patties, which is definitely something we're bringing back this year. Brick, I know you were going to the game on Monday. Please be safe. Thank you. Please be safe. Leave it tomorrow morning. I, I can't wait. I'm so excited for you. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It's something we've always wanted to do. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. Remember to give us those iTunes reviews, like, comment, share, do all the fun stuff that the millennial kids are doing. And for your number one podcast in Greece, we'll talk to you next time.